what's going on guys, I am Jake from the MMA Weekly Podcast and I am back a little bit later in the day, but however I am back. Now today I am going to be getting some viewer questions along with a full recap of UFC 227 and some other bits. But before I jump into it guys, make sure to like, subscribe, comment and share, give me some feedback on the episode. And now on MMA Amino there is a MMA Weekly question chat room. So, if you are interested in leaving me a question, make sure to pop it in there and I will do my best to answer it. So, yeah, uh, without further ado, let's jump straight in. So, we're going to be starting off with a full recap of the UFC 227 main card along with the feature prelim. So, on the feature prelim, Pedro Munoz defeated Brett Johns by unanimous decision 30-26. to and then 29 to 28 on the next two judges' scorecards. Uh, I did get my prediction wrong on this one. I thought that Munoz, or I thought that uh, Munoz would uh, just get maybe a bit tired, and Johns would take to the ground, look for a submission. But that isn't how it went, and Munoz took over the fight. I'm really impressed with him. I think he could definitely make a shot in the bantamweight division. I'd like to see him matched up against uh, maybe Aljamain Sterling next, because they both have wins over Brett Johns. So, you know, I feel the winner of that fight probably gets a, a top top five, maybe top six position. So, yeah, uh, let me know who you want Pedro Munoz to fight next. But, you know, impressive performance there for Munoz on the feature prelim. But now straight to the main card. So, in the first main card fight, Thiago Santos defeated Kevin Holland by unanimous decision. I think it was 29-28 to 28, uh, was the scorecards on all judges. So, a unanimous decision win. For Thiago Santos, I predicted a first round. Uh, I'm not sure if I predicted a first or second round knockout, but I I predicted a, a stunning knockout from Santos. And I also got a couple of things wrong when I was talking about Holland. I said that he won his fight, even though he didn't. I didn't know a lot about Holland, but uh, you know he really did impress me in this fight. Um, you know that flying on a platter attempt in the first round. Um, you know he showed some pretty good skills, but uh, Thiago Santos is a whole another breed of fighter, so I'd like to see Santos maybe take on. Uh, um, sorry, I I completely blanked on a name, on the names, but um, I'd like to see him fight the loser of Brunson versus Adesanya in early 2019, or you know mid, you know around you know April or May of 2019. Uh, but if Santos can get a fight in before that, I think maybe a fight against Brad Tavares might make sense. You know, uh, Tavares is coming off a loss to Adesanya. So any any of those two fights I would love to see uh, because Sa- Santos has been one of my personal favourites in the middleweight division in the last couple of years. I think that he definitely has the potential to go places, but um, yeah. So after that, J.J. Aldrich's... Uh, no, I don't know. That's not her name, you dweeb. JJ Aldrich defeated Pollyanna Viana by unanimous decision 29-28. And I'm going to have to admit here, I wasn't all impressed by this fight. Uh, but I was impressed by Aldrich's performance. I was expecting her to win this fight when a lot of people weren't. Um, You know, I thought she did a great job against Viana. You know, just, you know, just, you know, with pressure and just, you know, really just turning it on, so, you know, a good performance from her, um, I'm not quite sure 
who I wanted to be matched up against in the strawweight division. Um, but I think she might get a top 15 position after this, and yeah. So next up is a big fight in the featherweight division. It is where Hinato Maikano defeated Cub Swanson by rear naked choke in the very first round uh, before he took her to the ground and got got the back and got the choke. He knocked Swanson down with a jab. And, you know, it wasn't like a hard jab. It was a jab that he flailed out. It was like a stiff jab that he just flailed out. And Swanson, Swanson just fell down. Um, you know, it's definitely an upset um, because a lot of people thought that Swanson would take this one. I said that Mike Hano would take the decision. But I think he is... You know, if you can finish a guy like Cub Swanson, you definitely, you definitely have what it takes to make the top five. So, you know, it's a great win for Moicano. Um, the guy I'd like to see him matched up against next, probably Jose Aldo. Aldo is coming off a win over Jeremy Stevens, and I think the winner of that fight would probably be in line for a title shot, if not, if Brian Ortega doesn't get it. Well, you know, Brian Ortega will get it, so, you know, maybe Aldo versus Moicano and Stevens versus... Uh, not Stevens, um, Moicano versus Aldo and Holloway versus Ortega. So those fights that happens and then the winner of those fights fight each other. So uh, what's next for Cub Swanson, man? Um, I don't know. It's it's tough. I'd like to see him fight Ricardo Lamas. They're both on a, on two-fight losing streaks. You know, they have fought each other in the past, but uh, it's a rematch that I want to see right now. You know... Cub is kind of on the decline at the minute. He's one of those veterans that is being, you know, shut down. And I, I thought it was going to be the same way with Jose Aldo. But, you know, he obviously pulled it out of the bag. But, you know, Swanson, a lot of guys right now, they're on the decline. They're on their way down. There's the there the tough veterans of the sport that are slowly fading away. But it becomes more and more apparent in their careers, you know, as they're fighting top quality competition so yeah definitely definitely a tough loss there for Swanson probably pushes him back a long way in the division but you know I'd like to see him fight Lamas next and then in without a doubt the biggest upset in MMA of 2018 I don't know if anybody else could probably top that maybe Iaquinta being being uh could be maybe could have been it but Henry Cejudo pulled a razor-tight split decision out of the bag to become the second-ever flyweight champion. And uh, this was a very controversial fight because a lot of people thought that Johnson clearly won the fight. And I did that in um, inverted commas because I thought that Cejudo easily took that fight. Well, not easily, but I clearly had him winning. I had a 48 to 47 because I think I think the first round went to Johnson, the second round went to Cejudo, the uh the third round went to Johnson, the fourth round went to Cejudo, and Cejudo took Johnson down. It, he took him down in the fifth and was tagging him throughout the entire fight. So, in my opinion, that's enough to win a decision, and you know that's 
it's a big accomplishment for Cejudo, you know. He's a former Olympic uh, gold mad uh he's a former Olympic uh, gold medalist and you know and now UFC champion. But um I think the only fight that really makes sense right now is a trilogy between Cejudo and Johnson because Cejudo did call out uh TJ Dillashaw after the fight or he didn't he didn't specifically call out TJ Dillashaw. He called out the winner of the of the flyweight title or the bantamweight title fight, and he said that he would definitely fight TJ Dillashaw. And Dillashaw said that he would fight Cejudo, but um, I don't know. I I th- I think that fight is for the future. I think Dillashaw he needs to re-cement himself. You know, a lot of people are saying that he's the best bantamweight of all time after this. I still maintain that Dominic Cruz is, and you know, I think Cejudo still has to get a couple of... He has to still get a couple of title defences. Uh, and then he can move up to, to 135. And, yeah, that brings me straight into our main event result. In one of the most exciting fights... Or the most exciting... F- the most exciting round of the year. TJ Dillashaw knocks out Cody Garbrandt in the very first round. And... If I'm being honest, that fight could have been stopped way earlier because the minute, the second that Garbrandt hit the floor, I knew he was out because he got caught with that exact same punch and he was just flailing around the ring for the next 45 seconds. And I think Herb Dean, he did his best. He probably had some money on Garbrandt to win and he let him recover for a while, but he was never fully recovered. He was eating big shots at the end of the round, so... um. Think the fight could have stopped earlier, but what's next for the the self proclaimed best one thirty five in the world? Oh, it's a tough decision. There is a lot of options, you know. Um, there's the Dominic Cruz rematch, which I would definitely love to see. Um, you know, it's a pay per view main event. It was a fight night card the last time. But I think now it deserves the recognition of a of a proper pay per view card because Dillashaw has become a star in his own right and everybody loves to watch Dominic Cruz fight, so I think that'd make a great fight. But then again, uh, there's guys like Hafiella Sunset, that trilogy could definitely happen. Uh but I would see Dillashaw maybe doing the same thing that he did in the second fight. You know, just walking a Sunset down, just, you know, kicking at him, keeping his distance. Uh, and then there's Marlon Moraes, who is on a tear in the bantamweight division right now. Uh, he won his last two fights by pretty spectacular knockout over Jimmy Rivera and Aljamain Sterling. Yeah. Um, so uh, he's another option, but whether or not those fights are going to come, I think Cruz is definitely the bigger money fight, but the fight that is a little bit more logical, probably the Marlon Moraes fight, um, or maybe the Sunset fight. I think Cruz isn't really the logical fight. He is he is ranked higher, but that's just because, well, it's the UFC rankings, isn't it? <laughs> but, you know, um, I don't know. I think Marlon Moraes probably deserves the shot over Cruz, but I would like to see Cruz get the rematch and possibly win the title again. But, uh, who knows, man, who knows?
in terms for what's next for Garbrandt. Oh, that's that's a wobbly decision because, oh, uh, I mean, I think John Lineker probably the best, probably the best shout at the minute because you know that fight was meant to happen in 2016, but Lineker pulled out, and that was one of the fights that led Garbrandt to the title at the time. It was a knockout win over Augusto Mendes, but you know I think that fight probably makes sense right now, but. Uh, Said there's probably a couple of others out there. Maybe uh, Algernon Sterling, maybe Pedro Munoz. Uh, but I think Garbrandt would probably dominate that fight. But I think he's at the point right now where you've lost two straight to the current champion that you need to start fighting number one, or not number one, but you need to start fighting lower ranked contenders. Because back when Benson Henderson lost the title from Anthony Pettis, he fought guys like uh, Kabalov and. Just, you know, uh, guys who are ranked a little bit lower and then you can work your way back up to the division to fight, you know, the number one, to fight the number two, number three guys in the division. So I think maybe some fights, uh, maybe Algernon Sterling, Pedro Munoz, John Lineker, those guys. And then, you know, you can start fighting Jimmy Rivera, Rafael Asunso, rematch with Dominic Cruz. Um... All that stuff, so, you know, it's, um, you know, uh, it really could go either way in this division because it is one of the most talent-stacked divisions in the UFC. So that concludes the little segment of our recap, and let's go straight into the viewer questions. So this is going to be some of the questions left in the MMA trap room, along with the questions that you left on my post, and right as I am saying this, I got uh, a, it's just a picture from a user known as Joshua Green, and I was going to address this later, but I might as well answer it now. Um, well, it's about GSP saying that he wants to fight the winner of McGregor versus Khabib at MSG. Uh, uh, well, I don't think he said at MSG, but, you know, it would probably make sense, even though it would be definitely short notice for the winner of that fight. But he says that it will be a win-win. Uh, he to properly quote him, he said, "Uh, I would be interested in that fight. That's a win-win situation. It's a legacy upgrade. It's good money, and it's going to be a big fight." And he's definitely not wrong on that. Um, because McGregor versus Khabib, arguably the biggest fight of all time. The winner of that versus GSP, definitely the biggest fight of all time, especially if it's Conor versus GSP. Because that would easily that would easily do two million pay per view buys. Um, I don't know how I feel about that because you know I'm really worried about GSP at the minute because he got colitis in 2017, had to vacate the belt. He, uh, I don't know. He was his last fight was a 185. Now he wants to fight a 155. He said he's confident that he can make the weight, but I'm not entirely sure that I can trust him. Uh, I don't know. It's a tough one, man. He bulked up a lot for to fight at one eighty five. So will he be able to lose all of it? I don't know. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure out shortly as as this whole thing progresses. You know, as we'll see how the Conor Khabib fight goes first. Um, after that, then we'll see. 
Our next question comes from the ever responding to my thing about questions is Hingsta. And he says, a question for your podcast. Is the 10-point must system the most effective way to judge a fight in your opinion? Or should the West adopt... Uh, should should the West adopt the system, uh, to judge fights in their entire in their entirety like one Pride and Rising, and another pretty controversial question because the te- the ten point most system has definitely been criticised in the past. You know, it's led to some very questionable decisions. Um, but I mean, scoring a fight in its entirety, it works in certain circumstances because. Oh, I don't know. I think the ten point most the ten point the ten point most system is probably never gonna go anywhere. You know, in terms of, you know, modern MMA Western mixed martial arts. Because, you know, it it makes the UFC money a lot of times because you know, if they if one of their fighters is losing on the scorecards, the ten point most system the ten point must the ten point must system I've completely forgotten what I'm saying. The ten point must system could probably explain away why that fighter is winning. And, you know, there's a lot of weird words like octagon control, aggression, you know, stuff like that. It's very vague and it's led to a lot of people misinterpreting it. And that's led to some people outroaring about decisions. I'm not gonna lie, I have questioned the ten point must system in the past over some fights. Like, uh, Woodley versus Thompson too. As crappy as that fight was, I had Thompson winning all the way. The entire fight, I had Thompson winning. But, you know, uh, I, I think it might be, I, um, I think that if they brought the judging and, you know, the, uh, the Eastern, who will say the, the, the Eastern, European, Asian, that sort of thing. If they brought that style of judging in, it might, it might rattle a few people as well, because, you know, we've really gotten used to, you know, we're still trying to get used to the new 10 point most system, and, you know, it's really alternating. So I think, in, with some fights, scoring a fight in its entirety is effective. But for other fights, you kind of need the 10-point most system if it's really close. So, you know, I'm kind of split on this one. Uh, because, you know, I think in organizations like Bellator, who, where they have, you know, let's be honest here, most of the heavyweight fights in the heavyweight tournament so far have been laying praise. I'm looking at you, Chelson. <laughs> um, but, you know, a lot of those fights... You know, or fights that are not really interesting, you're kind of losing focus, like, oh, 10-9, 10-8, whatever. But for some, I think for, for the more interesting, I think if you have a really interesting fight and a really boring fight, that's when you use the 10-point must system. If the fight is average, then you score it by its entirety. So depends on what organizations you're talking about. You know, Bellator... I think they might be able to use the uh, the 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 Eastern judging system, and I think the UFC m- might probably stay with the the ten point must system because it's definitely 
I'm I'm really split on this one. I'm gonna have to come back to it in the next in the next episode. I probably probably will completely forget to do it, but I'll I'll actually circle around back to that question. So I spent about seven minutes talking about that. So thank you, Hingster. I'm gonna see if I can squeeze a couple of more questions into here. And the next one is from Hingster as well, and he says, "Hi, Jake. Uh, I have a question for your for your next podcast. Will both Vanderlei and Rampage retire?" After their fight on September twenty ninth, um, I don't know. I think that Vanderlei has been in a lot more wars, you know, a lot more brutal fights than Rampage has, and I think he will probably retire after that. I think, I think Vanderlei retires, but I think Rampage probably has two, three, four more fights left in him at two or five, and then it's retirement for him. So. I think mid to late 2019 is when Rampage calls it a day. The next question comes from uh, the user who probably has the best name on MMA. It comes from Big Fat Ginger. And they ask, what are your thoughts on MMA legends slash pioneers fighting well beyond their prime? And this is, that kind of slides right back in from where I was with the whole Rampage and Silva thing, I think that there's only certain fighters, there's only certain legends of pioneers that can fight beyond the prime. And those people are like T.O.R.T.'s, Rampage Jackson, and there's probably another person I could list there. But people like Chuck and Vanderlei, they shouldn't be fighting at this point in their career. They, they really shouldn't because, you know, yeah, sure, the fight against Sonnen wasn't really great for Vanderlei, but that's because he he didn't really do much now, did he? Um, but, you know, now, uh, I don't know, I think the fight against Rampage, if Rampage takes him down to the ground and does the same thing that Sonnen did, then you might be looking at maybe... Maybe one fight left in Vanderlei. I, I never addressed that, but if if they're if they're getting beaten up, if they're getting knocked out, if they're getting like knocked out cold in every single fight by younger guys, then then it's definitely time to call it a day. But if they don't, and it's like Vanderlei, and they're just getting taken down, and you know it's kind of a lay and pray fight. You know, it's kind of the most damage they'll take is few kicks on on the upper thigh and some ground and pound then then i think they could survive but if the fight's starting young hungry guys who have the ability to knock them out it's it's going to be a tough one that that's how i felt uh with vitor uh because you know he was fighting guys like kelvin gastelum who are young hungry guys who you know because since since USADA and loads of different doping agencies came in, these pioneers can't fight anymore. Because they used to be able to fight when they could take steroids. Because, I mean, they were on steroids. But now, they cannot fight anymore. I think it's the same with Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock is probably the ultimate example of this. He cannot fight anymore, regardless of whether whether or not he's on steroids. He just cannot fight anymore. He needs to retire right now. 
and you know like I was saying if you're fighting young knockout artists it's time to call it a day because you are going to get knocked out I mean the prime example of that uh, for me at least is Belfort versus Gastelum and the final question comes from Coops and he asks who would win in a rematch between Mendez and Edgar and I'm going to have to say Edgar again on this one because I'm I'm going to be honest here Edgar I think he's just a more well-rounded fighter he's still able to fight at 36 uh, I, I think he's 36 anyway um he's still able to fight at that age and he's you know beating up everyone in, in the division who isn't Brian Ortega um you know Mendez he looked pretty good in his last fight against um against Miles Jury you know it was a quick knockout but Miles Jury and Frank Yeager are on completely different levels. And I think Edgar would probably maybe, I think probably, you know, stay in the clinch, dirty box, keep Mendez up against the fence, you know, stuff his takedowns, you know, just outbox him because Edgar, his boxing is, you know, some of the best in the featherweight division. So I think Edgar probably takes that one. And before I end this, I want to give a special thanks to Hinksta for helping me to promote this very podcast on MMA Amino. Thank you very much. You really don't have to. I just do this stuff because I want to, regardless of whether or not people listen, because I am going to do this. And, you know, you really don't need to, but I am incredibly grateful. You know, more than you could probably ever comprehend, I am so happy and so thankful for you doing this so thank you so much Insta. so that will do it for this installment of the mma weekly podcast if you guys enjoyed make sure to give me some feedback and to share it with everyone you know make sure to like it as well uh, make sure to join the mma weekly podcast chat room so you can leave me a question and i might just answer it in the next episode and until next time guys goodbye